You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Stink Bait. Stink Bait, by definition, is a form of bait comprising of malodorous ingredients designed to attract fish, primarily catfish, that hunt by scent. So, let's just jump right to the problem. If Jesus decides to go fishing and we are the bait, the problem is a lot of us are stink bait. You say, what do you mean by that? Our lives are malodorous to him, and our lives are malodorous to the world, and we wonder why more people don't bite, why more people aren't drawn to him, why more people aren't reached when Jesus goes fishing and uses us to go fishing. You say, well, how could we be the bait? Who else does he use? You say, well, he uses the Holy Spirit. And certainly the Holy Spirit can show up and speak to someone. Jesus has shown up on the planet. They can find a Bible. But one of the most convincing tools that he has is live bait, like us. And I'd like you to start with me in Matthew chapter 4, and then we'll move left to right like we try to do. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. And it is fascinating to me where Jesus picks his disciples and how many of them fall in this category. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they knew how to fish for fish. A lot of the examples used in Scripture when these guys are fishing, it's casting nets Obviously, there's a lot of ways to fish. You can do it with a line and a hook. You can do it with a net. You can do it with dynamite. There's all kinds of ways to do it. I'm not going to get a show of hands if you've dynamite fished, but anyhow. So he picks these guys, and they've been fishing, and he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So they had an idea of what that would be from what they had done, and the intent, now think about this, What is the point of fishing? Okay, so we shouldn't call it fishing, we should call it catching. But nobody, you say, well, this is not true. Some guys go fishing just to get out there. They really don't care if they catch anything or not. I don't think those are fishermen or women. I think if you're gonna call yourself a fisherman, you should go fishing with the intent to catch something, not come home and someone say, hey, did you catch anything? No, but we had a wonderful day. You know, it's not a wonderful day if you don't catch something. Maybe you had some fellowship, but it's called what it is. It involves fish. This has been my evangelism verse for a long, long time. How do you reach people? You follow him. You follow Jesus. He said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So I come back to this repeatedly, and I put it out here again today. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, a good indicator of that is that you are a fisher of men. And if you're not a fisher of men, then the following has fallen apart somewhere in the process. Okay? 
You say, well, but I'm just not there yet. Well, 20, 30, 40 years in ought to be long enough for him to turn you into something. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. And Paul here says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. So I'm free from everybody, but no, I'm going to put restrictions on myself or make changes so that I can win even more people. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews, that those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So it sounds, what is that, a chameleon of some kind? No, it's adapting to the situation and understanding. You get in a situation and you say, well, I'm a Christian, I can do what I want to, and you're around a bunch of Jewish people and they are not eating certain things and doing certain things, and so you order bacon just to prove your point. What's the point? It's about being all things to all men that you might win some, where you're a different kind of bait. You don't engage in certain conversations, maybe. You maybe not even go certain places. If you're around someone who's weak in certain areas, for instance, people say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about not drinking. Big conversation, right? There are situations where even if you're comfortable, if I catch you drunk, you're completely out of line. You know, so if you can't drink and not be drunk, quit drinking. You say, well, I don't get drunk. I just have a glass of wine. So you get around someone and you know for a fact these people, let's say they're not Christians and there's some alcoholics in the group. They're going to AA. They're trying to get sober and stay sober. You don't order something in front of them just because you're free to do that. So you say, Lord, I'd like to reach these people. There's no sense exacerbating the situation and making it worse. And I want to be all things to all men that I might win some. So your thought is about someone else, not just about you, not just about me. What can I do? What am I free to do? I'm free to do whatever he tells me to do that will reach someone effectively. Go to Galatians chapter 5. And I read this from time to time for myself. The contrast is so great. And I'm going to read it again. The stink bait in here is the first list of things that if you're not walking in the spirit, if you're not walking with God, you're not doing what he told you to do, then what manifests itself? Down in verse 19, the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit, the contrast is just so crazy dramatic. The fruit of the Spirit is love. If you have genuine God kind of love in you and running through you, it is impossible for someone not to be drawn to that. It will change your life and it will change the lives of people around you. That's just one word, joy. Joy is not happiness. You can be happy when things go well and be unhappy. You can have joy even when you're unhappy. And these are the things that people see and sense and they pick up on and go, what is going on with this person? Love, joy, peace. How many people have no peace? They have no reason to have peace. 
Every once in a while, I get hit with these almost anxiety attacks, certain situations. I get overwhelmed, just completely freaked out at times about something going on in my life. I got people that text me and say, I've been hit with fear. I'm completely overwhelmed. When you have somewhere to go with fear and lack of peace and anxiety, and all of a sudden, as the Bible describes, a peace that passes all understanding begins to keep your heart and your mind, that is supernatural. And some people try the spirits, little s, over the spirit, big S, and say, I've got to calm myself, I'm so anxious. So they start putting something in them that will medicate that. If you want to medicate your fear, your lack of peace, put some Jesus in there and trust him. Long suffering. I don't want to suffer, and I certainly don't want to suffer very long. So when someone sees you trying to do the right thing and they know you're suffering, they go, dude, how do you do that? How are you saying no to that? No one wants to say no to that. Kindness. You know, even a nice person can't generate kindness at a certain point. I've seen some really nice people, old ladies even, go off. (laughs) Everybody's got a threshold. It's hard to be kind when it's all about me. It has to be about someone else for kindness to kick in. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one is the worst of them, self-control. How much sin are we tempted by and hit by where really the main problem is we have no self-control. We cannot control ourselves. And some of the things that are the toughest things to address, like weight loss, I go see the doctor, you know, he says, okay, I'm gonna weigh you. I'm taking watches off. I'm taking (laughs) everything I got off. You know, I am not climbing on that scale. You know, if he had a net, I'd put that on just to weigh the least amount possible. So I climb on there and he tells me my height and he tells me my weight and that I should lose 40 pounds, 50 pounds. I'm like, that's not possible. You know what? It is possible. What does it require? It requires some self-control. So if I said to you, I'm trying to lose 50 pounds and I lost 50 pounds, you'd go, how did you do that? You know how I did it. It's intake, right? You could put barbecued chips all over your bed and sleep on top of them. You're not going to get fat. It's not having them on you and around you. It's when they get in you, that's the problem. I want what I want. But when I begin to say no to what I want for the benefit of my body, which turns out to be his body, and to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, then people notice stuff like that. Now, here's the difference. Now, this is huge. You say, okay, well, I want to get in on that. I'm going to lose some weight. The difference in losing weight for God's glory and just losing weight is when you do it and when you get done and when people notice it, you have a different reason for how it's happening. Anybody can exercise some willpower and lose weight, but who gets the glory? So if my story is I lose 50 pounds and someone says, wow, dude, how'd you lose all that weight? Well, I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna wish you hadn't asked, but I'm gonna tell you. (laughs) Because God lives inside me and I'm supposed to be taking care of his house. And so I'm trying to do a better job of taking care of my house so I can stay alone. As long as he wants to use this house, I want it to be operational so he can get done. So, no, no, I didn't mean all that. Oh, yeah, you did, because that's the answer. What was your secret? My secret is Jesus, because without him, I got no fruit. Without this fruit, I can't do the things he wants me to do. And some people, this is a huge issue for them. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 
First Peter chapter two, let's jump in at verse one. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So living, spiritual, this is about being alive, not just keeping a bunch of rules. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, He is precious, but those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. So now he starts talking about change from the inside and how it looks on the outside and what it does to those who see it. Your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Or when he shows up, they go, wow, it was real. It was him. But what is the point that they glorify God? It's not about me being glorified. So even if someone says something kind to me and says, wow, you're such an amazing person. I can't believe you were patient in that situation. You don't go, oh, well, thank you so much. You know, it's all me, baby. It's all me, you know. You use even a compliment. You say, you know what? Honestly, I didn't used to be that way. And I could never have been that way in that situation without one person. And that's Jesus. He changed my life. He changed my heart and my attitude, everything about me. So now all of a sudden he's getting the glory, not you. You cannot live this way without him. So give him the credit. Therefore, okay, now look at this. Therefore, he's given you what the process is. Inside out, your living stone, spiritual house. God lives in us. So he's called us to proclaim the praise of him who called us out of darkness, his marvelous light. Then he says, therefore, because that's what's going on, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So what does it look like to be a Christian? It affects even how you live in terms of the government, laws. Here's what you owe tax-wise. Well, I'm not paying that. That's not even right. That doesn't even make sense. They're taking too much. If you don't like what they're taking, move somewhere else. (laughs) Well, it's just not fair. Well, then vote and change it. Put somebody in there that agrees with your deal and have it changed. But don't cheat on your taxes. When you decide to submit your life to him, things change. People notice you will not end up living the same way you lived before. Even if you were a good person before, godliness blows through even that. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance for the Lord's sake. Then look what he says in verse 15. 
for this is the will of God. People come to me and go, oh, can you help me find out what God's will for my life is? I read them verses like that. No, 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 I don't mean like that. I want a specific answer to a specific question. I don't want to live a godly life. I just want God to show me what to do for me, my way. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Your life is going to change or something is not working. So foolish men out there who make fun of you, who are crazy Christians, if they follow you around a little while ago, well, maybe he's not as crazy as I thought. His life, her life is working, mine's not. What's going on? And he gives more of this list in this context. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Servants, these are talking about servants. Well, my boss is harsh, I quit. You can't quit anything until God gives you permission to quit. Quit quitting. Well, I'm out of here. I don't like this place. Really? When did that become your decision? What's my life? And that's where it's wrong. If it's your life, you don't belong to him. Well, they can't treat me that way. You can't talk to me that way. If God puts you someplace, well, let's just read on. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it? If when you are beaten for your faults, look at this, beaten. Are you getting beaten at work? You say kind of close, verbally. This is talking about servants who are physically beaten. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in turn, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. If you return to that shepherd and overseer of your souls, he is going to lead your life. You're going to follow him and he's going to decide what you do, what you don't do, how you live. And this tree of life bears fruit, all these things we described over in Galatians. And people see that. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll read a few in here and then we'll be done. Now you're really not going to like this example. I'm telling you up front because it doesn't fit in with our culture probably. But here we go. 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So you say, well, I want to be a godly wife. Well, there's your verse. Put that on your mirror. You say, well, my husband this, my husband that. Let me remind you, I don't meet many women who are married at gunpoint anymore. You picked him. You say, well, I wasn't a Christian when I picked him and I became a Christian. Hang in there. You say, well, this is miserable. Hang in there. I love him, but I can't take this anymore. Hang in there. I don't love him and I can't take this anymore. Hang in there. You say, well, that's easy for you. You're married to a hot redhead. And you're right, it is easier for me. (laughs) 
And if you're thinking that, you shouldn't be thinking that. So you say, well, this guy won't do what he's supposed to do. Okay, now listen to me. Do you hear the echo? This guy won't do what he's supposed to do. And God says, exactly. This girl won't do what she's supposed to do. Well, I want him to do the right thing. God says, yep, yeah, and I want you to do the right thing. And until he does the right thing, here's the right thing for you. You're so worried about everybody doing the right thing. Why don't you start doing the right thing? Well, no, no, I mean other people doing the right thing. I don't want to do the right thing. I want other people to do the right thing. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, yet they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And then for the sake of time, jump down to verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, I want the first part of that. I want to be righteous, and why do I want to be righteous? For his ears are open to my prayers, because the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You don't want God against you. You want him for you. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? I mean, it's not normal that if you do the right thing, you get harmed, right? It happens. We're wrongfully accused sometimes. We get in situations. We're doing the right thing. You still get in trouble. Parents do this with kids. You know, you did this, 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 and we find out later, oh, they didn't do that, and we disciplined them, punished them, shouldn't have done it. Look at the next verse. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. I hate this stuff in the Bible. Like, ah, why do you have to put that in there? At least feel bad for me. Oh, we feel so bad for you. You suffered wrongfully. You poor little thing. No, you're blessed now. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense or a reason to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now you got to read all this stuff in context. When your heart changes, when you're submissive to him, when you're submissive to where you're supposed to be submitted, chapter two, chapter three, you're going to live a different life. You're going to have a different attitude. Your heart is changed. Your life is changed. And then you are always ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's within you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. It doesn't even make sense. They're embarrassed that they even said something because they get to watch in your life and go, that's not who you are. I get it. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Here's my contention. If my life is working the way it's supposed to be working, I am submitted to God, submitted to authorities. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, being who I'm supposed to be. Sooner or later, what is the implication here? that I'm ready to give in a defense to anyone who asks. When is the last time someone asks you the reason for the hope that is within you? It's so obvious you have hope they're asking. You say, well, I thought you were talking about going fishing, not the fish jumping in the boat. 
At some point, our lives are so changed, so compelling, that people literally can't take it anymore, and they go, where'd you get that? When people see something that they like, they ask. I've seen, I got a lot of women around me all the time, and I've seen this. I've seen women, shy women, go up, oh my gosh, where did you get those shoes? They're not standing off silently looking, lusting, coveting those shoes. They can walk straight up to a stranger and go, oh my gosh, you got to tell me where you got those shoes. Why? Because they love those shoes. They're asking where they got them. Where'd you get your hope? They don't even know what his name is yet. They just sense hope and they come asking. Now that's different. See, most are just trying to get somebody to share their faith. I'm trying to get us, me included, where people come asking. And I am ready. How will you be ready to give a reason, a defense for the hope that's within you? You have to be ready because what they're noticing is the hope and you're living that life out. You can't live the life out without understanding how you got the life. So when they ask, you got an answer. So instead of stink bait, you're live bait, living bait. And God uses us. And you go, wow, I'm really glad you asked. You have no idea how flattering that is, what a compliment that is, that you can see Jesus finally through all my crap, that you see I have hope. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.